welcome to the Learning and Development Podcast. I'm David James from 360 Learning, and each episode I chat with guests about what lights them up in the world of people development. In this episode, I'm speaking with Leela Warren, Global Head of Retail Academy at pret But before we get into it, if you're enjoying this podcast, please do give us a five-star rating on your podcast app of choice to help others to find us. And thank you if you've done so already. Now, let's get into it. Leela, welcome to the Learning and Development Podcast. Thank you, David. I'm really excited to be here. Thanks for having me. So, Leela, you're the Global Head of Retail Academy at Pret-a-Manger. Could you tell us a bit about this role that you have? Yeah, absolutely. So, it is the global function, and that means that we look after the structure the strategy and the content when it comes to the learning intervention that we want to give our staff in shops globally. So it's a lot more strategic than the previous roles I've had in Pret-a-Manger because it's very much aligned with the business need, the strategy goal that the business has overall. I've been with Pret for nearly 21 years now and really uh, I've gone through all the development stages, if you want, of the <laughs> the LND function from classroom training to the migration on e-learning to deciding what content goes online, what is best for the learner. So yes, I've seen it evolved. Wonderful. And, uh, and of course, the hospitality sector has been under an enormous amount of pressure in recent years. Mm-hmm. So how has this affected the need for LND and your role and your team's role at PrEP? So really, the effect it had on the LND is uh, the fact that more than ever, we have knocks on the doors to create content. And the the world has transformed operationally, the way we do things are different. Companies have started to digitalize a lot more. So, you know, and especially in the retail industry, I think there was a lot of catching up to do. Uh, and when there's new stuff coming in, it very often means that there's new training needs that are going to appear as, okay, we need to do that, and people should learn how to do different things. Now, so that has increased the demand, definitely. And having said that, you know, it has also uh, given an opportunity for me and my team to consider, hang on, we also need to change the way we do things. Mm-hmm. Because, like you said, the retail industry uh, has gone through an enormous amount of pressure, and we can't contribute to the pressure by continuing to create content, assign training, when actually the context in which the learner is going to uh, access that piece of learning is challenging in the first place. So it really, really made us consider and ask ourselves, hang on a minute, are we giving the right method here? Are we solving a problem or are we contributing to a problem? So it's been really, really interesting to first witness the transformation, but also identify how the needs are different and how LNT must be different as well in terms of how do we help the business do better. Mm. You it's, mentioned there about solving a problem, yeah. uh, Leela. How is this different to how you did things before? I think for us, the, the biggest difference is in the past, we really focused on creating learning. 
we will create learning and uh, based on, okay, what does that role need in order to do that job well? So we're looking at different roles. We're looking at progression in two roles and we support the individual with having all of the learning content and solutions that is going to help them be good at their job. But that also means that a lot of the training solution that we offer to the learners come at a point where they don't really need to know that part. Right. And so really when we're thinking about creating training and activating performance, those are two different things. And we can create training content. We can make it as engaging as possible. It can be classroom. It can be learning. It can be another resource. Absolutely fine. But the point of need is extremely important. Because mm. if I learn something that I would need to be good at, but I learn it nine months before I need to actually be good at it, mm. it's very likely that I will forget it. And so we are a little bit guilty, I think, in the past, we have been guilty of assuming that the individuals and the learners will remember things that they have learned months before. Mm. We're a little bit guilty of thinking that because they've learned it, they're going to be good at it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that we kind of protect a little bit our training content, thinking it's great, we cover everything, you know, we haven't left any stone unturned. But actually, if the performance level is not achieved, is if the impact is not the one that we expected, then there must be something that we need to do differently. Mm. So what you're describing there, Leela, is uh, is consistent with many of the conversations I've had on the podcast about people who have made a, a pivot from a a learning approach to a performance orientated approach. Uh, but mm-hmm. but um, uh, I see my role always is to represent the listener uh, here, uh, Leela. And so I want to take the opportunity to dig a little bit deeper um, and uh, and explore whether what we're talking about here are simply semantics. So. What I mean here is that there may be um, a, a learning and development professional listening um, mm-hmm. who has always considered that their development and delivery of core skills training and e-learning has been about solving problems with the intention of affecting performance. So how is what we're talking about today different in terms of both your intention and the approach? And, you know, I would say to those listeners, absolutely, you know, training is about performance. We wouldn't have an energy department in training if it wasn't about developing the performance level of our employees. Definitely. And if we look at our training content, we're going to say, oh, yeah, absolutely. We are solving problems. We are equipping people with a right level of skills and knowledge that they need to have in order to perform. The difference is that when things don't go according to plan, David, and they don't always, right? Mm -hmm. You know, (laughs) businesses are facing issues. And I think, you know, one of the, I'm going to use your term, which I really love, which is the critical point of failure, I think you call it, Mm -hmm. That's right. Critical point of failure, yep. There you go. So there's a critical point of failure. That means something's gone wrong. The difference is that, Sometimes you've got learning, you have training, but let's not forget that 
there is also the need to reinforce learning. Mm -hmm. And that comes at the point where things have not gone right. Mm -hmm. So we need to reinforce that piece of learning. The difference is, it's not always LND who do that. Mm -hmm. So the intervention on the reinforcement of learning isn't necessarily the training department. Mm. It can be a different department, a different SME. And this is where things become a little bit complex. Mm. And this is where you need to have a completely different approach, a completely different level of collaboration with the SME and other departments in the organization. Mm. So the difference is, yes, we are here to uh, prevent problem from happening by creating as good content as we can. But when problems happen, what do we do? Mm. Because I can tell you what happens. They come to us and say, people don't know how to do this. Yeah. And we look into our content library and we go, and we do cover it in the training department. We do cover it in the training pathway. So they should know how to do it. Mm. What happens next is that we either blame the individual or we yeah. blame the line manager. But actually, at one point, we told them what they need to know, the government, they didn't need it. And when mm. they needed it, we assumed that they're just going to look for the information. This is a risky assumption to make. There's so much uh, valuable stuff that uh, um, that you've mentioned there, Leela, that uh, that I'd like to, to pull out and summarise. First of all, in a performance-oriented approach, um, you need to get everything out on the table. In uh, in a traditional learning approach, it's okay to siphon off just the, the knowledge and capability element and leave the rest on the table because, after mm -hmm. all, that's not our job. But when we do leave that on the table, then we miss out on important context. And everybody in learning and development knows that you can't always equate the learning experience um, or simply the learning experience to the improved performance. And if we leave a lot of the stuff on the table, which might be uh, communication, uh, access to resources, um, uh, access to, uh, to, to different people, uh, processes, technologies, other systems, stakeholders, clients, customers, and all of that stuff, if we leave that on the table undiscussed, then we are simply skirting around the edges and what i what i loved about what you mentioned there as well leela is that um that when we don't step enough into the world of the people we seek to influence and we expect them to step into the learning world then we they they don't just operate on our, our um agenda but also on our timetable and that is learning and development experiences are generally offered whether that is online or uh, or, or in person on the mm -hmm. timetable of of us and you know and i suppose also when they can be released so we try to to um uh perpetuate this flawed model of filling people's heads you know nick shakta jones talks about this filling people's heads with stuff thinking that if it's engaging and interactive enough then enough of it will stick but the thing is where it falls down uh fatally is that we're human and we're forgetting <laughs> Uh, organisms we will we are not designed to remember stuff that we don't consider important at any given time and if we don't consider it important then it's unlikely to be accessible to be retrieved at the time of need so what you're talking about here is actually um understanding those points of needs and 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 recognizing how you can get or, or exploring how you can get as close to those points of need in order to influence performance regardless of how hard it is or how or or 
how against the grain it is in traditional learning and development circles. Am I right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it, you, you're not going to know how to make a really good cake because you have read the recipe with all the ingredients, with all the measurements. You've read all that recipe even two weeks ago. You're mm. not going to remember that. Right. Now, of course, with recipes, we can access, oh, yeah, I want to make that right now and I can access it. And I'm in the part of my kitchen and I've got all my utensils. But let's not forget that we're dealing with people who are in the front line here. Mm. They're in the front line, they're dealing with customers, the context, the environment is really challenging. So for us to assume that they're going to take the time to go back and learn, oh, hang on a minute, I really need to check this. No, 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 it's not the reality. The reality is that people tend to go and look for the piece of information when they need it because it has to matter to them. Our job is to make sure that they are curious enough to know that it matters to them and where to access it when needed, but sometimes. It's not about expecting them to go and look for the information, but it's about making sure that we provide them the piece of information that they need the moment we have identified that, hang on a second, something's happened, and I am here to support you along the way. Mm. And let me show you how to do it, right? And what- what I'd like to explore there, uh, Leela, uh, sorry mm-hmm. to uh, to cut you off, um, is how you do this. So what are the frameworks that you use in order to uh, analyze and understand those points of need? So we've created uh, like a bank of questions, really. It's a framework that me and my team have used, but it's really just putting our, our thoughts together and thinking, hey, how do we approach that, right? How do we go from, oh, we need people to do better at this and that, and therefore can you create training to avoiding creating content that actually isn't going to make a big difference in the performance level? So the first step is really to understand what is the problem? Hmm. What is the issue that you are facing and when I say you I'm them to any department right anyone who comes and say people don't know how to do this or sometimes they don't even come to you and I think that's the best approach and I think this is where we need to start leading is about being mindful and really really curious about the noise that you are hearing Mm. Right, because you live and breathe in the same organization you know what's going on everything that is a challenge may be a training solution, Mm. right? If there's a problem, there's a solution. So let me go back to the framework that I'm using, which is what is the problem that you are facing? Mm -hmm. The second part is what is the impact on the business? Mm. How big is that problem, basically? Now, that's a good one because when it comes to who does what, that's the one that you're going to refer to to start influencing the mindset of something needs to be different. Now, also, that's an interesting one because it will really make people want to look into data a little mm-hmm. bit more in terms of it's cost us that much or we have this amount of complaints or we've got this level of turnover. Really, you're going to go and look into the data 
And we don't have all the information in LMDs, but some people do, right, in their own departments. So it's really interesting to see how big the problem is. From there, we're going to look at, well, what is the performance need here? But the question that we have to ask ourselves is, why aren't they there? Why don't they know how to do it? Is it that they don't know, they're not aware, they have to do it this way? Is it that they don't know how? Is it that they do it, but then they don't know who to send it to, for example? And actually they're doing the right thing, but it's not recorded. So it really depends on what the failure is. When you find out the, hmm, how did we get there? You're going to be able to identify what is the best method for it. Because if it's an awareness piece, it's different from finding a solution that is based on skills. Mm. You're not going to create a training solution that is going to give you the skills to do something online. Online learning doesn't give you the skills, right? I certainly haven't learned how to drive a car by taking a course online, right? I didn't have the practice. Once you have the method, you will also see, well, who's the best person to reinforce that piece of learning? Mm -hmm. When is the critical point of failure? And who is the person who knows that it has failed? Who's the first person who knows it? Because the first person who knows it is probably going to be the one who's going to support the individual and the learners with the right approach to solve that problem. The role of LND in that might be to create the right resource. The role of LND is more consultant. The role is like, okay, if you if you need to reinforce learning by reminding someone of a process, for example, right? Let's create a resource that makes the process really clear, as opposed to creating a training content that is going to tell them of the process itself, what to do, but then we put it on the training pathway that, like we said earlier, mm. that we learn 20 months before they actually need it. Does that make sense? Yeah, completely. It completely makes sense. Mm -hmm. uh, and I wonder, I wonder if you could bring that to life uh, for us uh, a, a little more, Leela, and without giving away trade secrets. Uh, <laughs> so perhaps perhaps more broadly speaking, what mm -hmm. types of problems have you been seeking to solve that way at PrEP? So, you know, you've got the problems that people come to you and say, hey, we need a solution because this is what's going on. So let's say, oh, uh, we have an increase on customer complaints, for example. Uh, and it seems that managers don't know how to deal with complaints properly. So we're looking, okay, but I'm sure you cover that in the induction pathway, in the onboarding pathway. They do know how to do it, but mm. what happens? What happens? We definitely cover this. Mm. Is it that they really don't know? Is it that they need to be reminded? And how do we know that there's been a complaint? Now, if, obviously, if the customer service department is going to be the first point of contact for every that complaint, then the change is about, right, okay, so you're going to reply to that shop manager, let's say, informing them that there has been a complaint, 
And here is how to deal with customer complaints. Mm. You will send them that resource. So this is like dealing with an immediate critical point of failure. Mm. When we are looking at other biggest problems, and I don't know, let's say um, we have an issue, maybe a conflict. Conflict happened uh, in a shop. I'm going to use HR. <laughs> HR uh, examples, um, if there is a conflict and we realize that actually um, managers could be better at perhaps doing investigations mm-hmm. or at uh, maybe diffusing conflict, then the moment that there is an incident in a shop, there is always a form of communication with a specific department, and let's say in this, in this example with the HR, mm-hmm. are informed that something happened, right? Yeah. What do we do with this piece of information? Rather than the HR department from MND saying, hey, managers must be trained on how to deal with these issues. Yes, of course they do. But when they forgot, mm. what do we do? There is a simple solution that doesn't look like a training course. It looks like a simple piece of communication Mm. between the HR department and the manager saying, right, okay, this is how you will have to deal with it. Here's the process. Here are the resources that you need to refer to give us a chance if you get stuck. Now, the benefit of this approach is that not only do you reach the learner itself, but it's very likely that then that learner is going to transfer that knowledge mm-hmm. to their peers, to the people uh, that they're managing. They're going to share that piece of information because mm-hmm. they've had a valuable experience because it mattered to them there and now. Mm-hmm. So, so what you're doing is you're uh, you're guiding and supporting people uh, through uh, unfamiliar um, uh, or challenging situations where, uh, as we said before, they they may have been on a course and experienced that, but they're 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 remembering what's important to them and then parking or leaving or or uh, perhaps not absorbing the stuff that that's that they can't or they haven't prioritized at the time. But at those moments of need, you are providing Mm -hmm. them with the tools. And and the way I like to think about this, um, Leela, is that uh, that we're not replacing um, anything that's that's great here. We're not replacing um, a a great face-to-face experience in the moment of need. We're we're replacing people fumbling along and, Mm -hmm. and trying to do their best, perhaps unskillfully, but providing them with a little bit more confidence and a little bit more competence in order to follow this through. Um, so, so because because I, I really do detest the debate of um, uh, digital or performance support isn't as good as face to face training. But but Leela, I was in a prep yesterday, and I know what a mm-hmm. high pressure um, uh, environment it is, mm-hmm. and there is no way that you that anybody's getting hands on guidance and support to deal with any any particular situation so so i love the idea of and and i'm a firm believer i've talked about it on the podcast many many times if you truly understand the problem you are at least 50 percent towards the solution but if you don't understand the problem then everything looks like it needs to be a fully comprehensive hands-on face-to-face experience 
but it really doesn't. It is about being laser focused. Uh, and uh, and I love, I always uh, reference uh, Goffre Sinemosha. If you can be there at the moment of need, because you truly understand that moment of need yes. and the pressures that the people are under, um, uh, because you understand their context, then you can provide them with enough guidance and support in order to influence how they do stuff. You then build up a bank of currency with them. You build up trust. They know where to go next and that they can always build on their experience because you mentioned it earlier. And I'm a big believer. You don't build skills by consuming content either in uh, a digital um, uh, medium or if you're face to face, you build the skills in the environment in which you're expected to develop them. Yes, you can practice over time, but I've made the step up to manager and I've made the step up to head of and I've made the mm -hmm. step up to director uh, and business owner and all of the hard stuff you learn while doing it. But if you can give people and you can take the guidance and support, that means that it's less risky and uh, you can benefit from the experience of people who are successful in your context. Then again, you can provide more confidence and more competence to do something, which means that, that the more they do it, the more uh, the more they refine it and be successful. Absolutely. We learn through experience, right? We learn through experience of, of oh, well, I didn't know how to do that, and but now I do, right? And I don't need to be told many times once I've had the right experience. And this is where, David, you know, when I said earlier, the big difference is that it's not L&D stepping in, mm. in a lot of the cases. It's who's there at the point of need, because yes. when it comes to us, the point of need has gone. Oh, mm. it, it's just becoming irrelevant. And then, oh, okay, we just put it in place where it's out of context mm. for the learner. And that's not okay. That's not solving the problem. That's just thinking that, oh, yeah, we covered our back as an ND. We put the content where it needed to be. No, no, no. No. When do they need it? And who mm. is going to support them? And here comes the fact that, you know, how big is that problem? Because, of course, you may have a little bit of resistance from whoever you're relying on to be there for the point of need. And I thought, oh, yeah, but hey, maybe it's a change of process or there's any more work for another person or another department. But when you're looking at it, but hang on, how big was that problem? Mm. You came to me and you said, it's costing us that much. Now, here are the options. We can do exactly what we've always done by, yeah, make sure that they know, make sure that it's covered. Yeah, yeah of course, yeah. let's make it compulsory as well so that we've got tracking records that completion of training has been done. And that means that they confirmed that they're competent at that. Mm. But actually, if they are not, it means that, well, we've got to do things differently. Mm. Right? So you've got either a 50% chance of solving the problem the same way that we've always done, or you have an 80% chance of doing it, but it means that you've got to do an extra step. Which one do you want to do? Yeah, right? but, it's, but it's a no-brainer for uh, for me, Leela. But it leads me on to nicely on to the next question, mm -hmm. uh, because does this mean you've needed to educate your stakeholders in how to work differently with your team, or is it led by your team whenever an issue is raised? Really, it starts with us. We've got to go first, and that's meaning my team, right? Uh, and it's just a change of attitudes, a way of, you know, what is my role? Mm. What is my role, really? And like you said earlier, it's about understanding the problem. 
And yes, there is a piece of education with a stakeholder. Mm. And the trick is to be completely consistent with your approach. Mm-hmm. Always consistent with, right, okay, let's talk about it. How big is the problem? Mm. How come we got there? Yet do they not know? But when do you find out that this problem? You have all of those questions. Mm. So first there's an education around the whole LNB team. Mm-hmm. And perhaps that means that there's a little bit of upskilling mm-hmm. going on in that in that team. And then it's inviting yourself in the meetings for the right conversation. Mm-hmm. It's you going forward and say, I've noticed that we have a problem with that. Mm-hmm. And I think we can help. Mm-hmm. Here's what I'm suggesting. And I think that if we are here today and we have the approach I'm suggesting to you right now, we will improve by. So you've got to really understand what people value Mm. and you come to them with a solution that makes sense to them. Mm. So Leela, here's the tough question because um, uh, I went to Pret yesterday because I was working with another learning and development department who were making this change. Uh, mm. But uh, but then the reality of their current situation emerged, and this is common across the board, and you would have found it. No one's asking for this, Leela. Everybody asks <laughs> for courses, and everybody seems happy when we mm. deliver our courses mm-hmm. or we deliver our e-learning, regardless of whether they actually make any difference or not. So mm. what's been the benefit to you, your team, and PrEP more broadly by doing things the hard way, by actually seeking to address real problems and providing the guidance and support to make a demonstrable result, rather than just doing what people ask for, which is activities and content, regardless of the predictable and reliable uh, outcome that's required. The reality is is that we are at the beginning stage of doing all that. So I'll mm-hmm. come back in a few months' time and tell you here are the benefits to mm. Pratt and to the the employees as we stand today. Mm-hmm. Am I entirely confident that there will be benefits that we can measure? A hundred percent. I can tell you from our department point of view, the benefit that is had on us is that we are seen as the experts in mm. the field, not the expert in creating content, right? Because, yeah. yeah, of course we are. But the go-to department to see, okay, what do you think we should do, mm. right? And that's where it has to start. That's what the change needs to be. Mm. Uh, L&D supporting performance is not just delivering training, mm. right? Uh, and it's, it can be challenging, Absolutely. But more and more, we are having a voice that is valued. I'm not saying it's not been valued in the past, mm. but because the approach is different, it's become, there's less and less resistance. Now, at the moment, there's a lot of new stuff happening, and it's super interesting to see how, because it's a new process for Pret, for example, Automatically, there is the assumption that we need to create new training content. Mm. But actually, it's not because it's a new process that we need to create a training for it. 
because we often forget the fact that people can work things out on their own. Mm. We can figure things out. It may be new to the organization, but it's not new to the learner. Yeah. Right? So uh, we may introduce self-checkout, and actually are we training customers on how to use self-checkout? No. So why are we training our teams? Mm. Uh, I mean, surely they can work things out as well. If the system is that intuitive, mm. you're launching a new system and you're not intending to, to train your customers, which you could mm. I mean, it would make sense to think that there's really minimum training. But mm. what we still get is... Because, of course, you know, and I get it. There's that sense of security and safety of doing the right thing and being set for success and prepared for something that's new. And we really equipped our, our employees with the right skills. Absolutely. Let's not forget that people can figure things out. Yeah. Right? We can just open, I don't need a training module to tell you how to press submit on a screen. Mm. Yeah, so it's all of those things where right? people, people come to us and they're like, oh, okay, yeah, absolutely. But they trust what method suits best. Mm. And it comes from us making it really, really clear as to what the learner experience is and what it is that they need. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Um, there's there's so much in there that uh, that um, that that I'd like to pull out, but but the 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 <laughs> thing that really resonates most, Leela, is the thing that I recognise from my time at Disney as well. That that when when you truly take an interest in what it is that the person is seeking to achieve from your help rather than the thing itself. And I know that we all try to do that for, to a degree, but I think that the way you're describing it is almost a, a, a relentless inquiry and um, uh, and focus on the outcome uh, rather than making your stakeholder happy right now. And as, as we, we say derogatorily, um, uh, taking the order. The mm -hmm. benefit is increased credibility uh, mm -hmm. in the short term and more currency in the longer term and that currency buys you access to more resources a greater reputation and trust in the uh, in the organization for when you truly need it so you're flying in the face of expectations right now and you're deciding to make your job harder but the impact of that to you professionally as an and as an employee in prep and your career ongoing is one of, of greater fulfillment, greater credibility, greater currency. And I think that 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 you you can't put a price on that. That is that for you for doing for choosing to do things harder uh, will will pay off again and again and again. Absolutely. You see, um and you know that makes me think that everyone has a job to do and everybody wants to do a good job. And if we were to go back to, you know, the, the notion of the orders takers and like, oh, of course it makes sense, it's new, we need to create training. We're making everybody's life a lot harder, including ours, because yeah. here's another piece of learning that we need to create, spend time on it, uh, deliver, uh, and here's a piece of learning that the employees must take. 
everything is time, everything is costing, right? And then we end up with masses of training that we need to maintain, we need to store in, in our knowledge library. We are making our life more complicated. The impact is minimum, the effort is huge, and the cost is actually wasted, mm -hmm. right? So if we were to look at, hmm, let's look at the impact and hmm, what is the approach and how much effort that is, mm -hmm. right? If I'm confident that I can have the same impact with less effort and less resources, then it's my job to talk in that way, inarguably, with the stakeholders, Yeah. right? It's like, here's the cost, here's the impact, or here's the same impact, minimum effort, minimum cost. It makes sense, right? It does make sense. And uh, so, my, <laughs> so my final question there, Leela, uh, it's bound to have made sense to the listener um, uh, themselves. Uh, so if they now wish to make a similar pivot to the one that, you, that you've uh, undertaken to mm. address business problems rather than simply providing learning, uh, what advice would you give them? I would say challenge your assumption to start with, mm -hmm. right? And if what you're about to do looks very familiar to what you've always done and you're facing like oh that sounds really familiar we're still doing the same thing and we're still having the same problem then probably do something very different <laughs> do something very different and really investigate the hmm, what contributed to that need and the moment you have a contributing factor to the learning need, you will be able to identify, right, so 10% is us, perhaps, in creating a, a piece of awareness, but the rest might be a process. The rest might be operation. Mm. The rest might be a, a tracking thing, an auditing thing. And there's a lot more to performance than just learning. Mm. And we gotta get people together in a room and say here we go that's my part that's your part that's your part isn't that amazing mm -hmm. right and isn't that what an organization is about isn't that what collaboration is about so the advice is collaborate but collaborate with intent i love it i, I... Yeah, I, uh, I couldn't agree more. Uh, but Leela, that's been uh, it's been a wonderful conversation and uh, and a hugely valuable one. I'm sure that, uh, that there are plenty of nuggets that the listeners uh, taken out for them. So all's left for me to say is thank you very much for being a guest on the Learning and Development Podcast. Thank you. I really enjoyed it. Thanks, David. It inspires me to hear stories of how L&D leaders choose to make their job content harder in order to get better results. Nobody's asking for L&D done this way. So when Leela and others I've spoken to on the pod describe their pivot and all it encompasses, I feel optimistic for our profession and those coming through. We can expect more. We just need to challenge ourselves in order to achieve it. If this conversation has whet your appetite for good quality L&D chat and you'd like to get involved, you can now join the L&D Collective of which I'm an active member. Join me and hundreds of L&D peers via the link to the L&D Collective in the show notes. And if you'd like to get in touch with me, perhaps to suggest topics you'd like to hear discussed, you can tweet me at David in Learning and connect on LinkedIn. Again, you'll find the links in the show notes. And goodbye for now.